Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. It's the largest jury award in the U.S. so far this year and the third consecutive legal defeat for Bayer. A jury has awarded more than $2 billion to a California couple who claimed they got cancer as a result of using its Roundup weed killer for about three decades. Will Bayer reevaluate its legal strategy of fighting every case and appealing every verdict? Joining me is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell Law School. So, Bob, Bayer is 3-0 and in jury trials. It could be liable for hundreds of billions of dollars in damages if these jury verdicts are repeated. How should it be weighing the importance of this third loss? Hi, June. I, th- I think they, they should probably view this as a, a kind of a perverse version of three times as a charm, right, or third times a charm. Uh, in other words, they should pack it in now. This is sort of, uh, you know, three strikes and you're out. They really ought to start looking seriously uh, into a settlement, right? You and I have talked about this a couple times before. They keep losing. It's not at all surprising that they're losing. The merits of the plaintiff's cases look very, very strong. And the basis that buyer keeps giving for continuing to hold out is very flimsy looking. So it's beginning to look to me like the height of foolishness or foolhardiness for buyer to com- continue uh, to sort of contest uh, these particular cases. They really ought to be looking into settlement now. You know, when the company's lawyer asked a juror after the verdict what the jury wanted to hear from buyer, the juror said he wanted proof the chemical was safe. Quote, I wanted you to get up and drink it. Now, buyer, want, buyer wanted to tell the jury that the EPA concluded last month that Roundup's active ingredient is non-carcinogenic and poses no risk to the public health. Will that lead to a reversal on appeal? Not There's not a chance in Hades of that, I don't think. Um, I mean, the thing to keep in mind here is that the, you know, the, the controversy around Roundup has been going on for literally decades now, and there's just oodles and oodles of evidence uh, you know, to the effect that it does have uh, a tendency to elevate your likelihood of acquiring some form of cancer, right? And so one <clears throat> last-minute addition to the evidentiary pool, uh, in a you know, pool that has hundreds of documents already, and from the Trump EPA, of all things, the thought that that itself would suffice to overturn all of this and change the course of history just on a dime, I think is just, again, the, the height of foolhardiness. The verdict will likely be reduced. The punitives, it's practically all punitives, $2 billion in punitives compared to the rest. Now, it also, parts of this, there are going to be appeals in, in the three cases. If buyer should win those appeals, should that factor into its decision to settle or not? Um, it would it would definitely make sense for it to factor in where that to happen, but it wouldn't be dispositive, and it's also I think highly unlikely that it's going to happen. The only the only ground on which, or the only sort of element of the most recent decision that could be changed, would be that the punitive damages might be lowered by a bit. Right? There's a kind of a rough benchmark or guideline that the courts uh, apply sometimes now to the effect that the punitives are about ten times uh, the compensatory. Um, that would mean in this particular case maybe. Kind Cutting it back from you know two billion to one billion, that would still be hardly jump change. Uh, and again, given the apparent egregiousness with which Buyer seems to have tried to conceal 
the controversy around Roundup itself from people. The punitives are really prompted by that, right, by a determination that Bayer has not been acting in good faith. It's been acting a bit like the tobacco companies did, uh, as revealed in the 1990s uh, suits around uh, tobacco litigation, right? So, you know, they might get a little bit of a cut in that punitive damage award, but I really doubt that they're going to uh, see overturnings of the verdicts on the merits uh, or, you know, elimination or cutting of the, um, of the compensatory damages in these cases. How do you get plaintiffs to settle when they see that people in cases are winning billions, and that might be reduced to $100 million, but it's still a huge verdict? Why would they want to settle? Well, that's that's a really important question, June, that I don't think has actually been posed enough uh, out there in the press. But with every loss that buyer suffers, the more recal- the, the more sort of reluctant future plaintiffs are going to be to settle, and that means that in a sense, time is kind of running out on the opportunity to settle, which, if buyer indeed takes advantage of that opportunity, could save it literally millions, if not billions of dollars. So this is another reason for them really to start getting serious about possibly settling here. As for why plaintiffs might nevertheless settle, notwithstanding the string of victories that they've uh, racked up so far, it just sort of depends on how quickly you need the money, so to speak, or how quickly you'd want the money, right? It does take a while to litigate and to get those bigger uh, uh, damages awards. Uh, And so you can imagine uh, plenty of plaintiffs being willing to take a settlement now rather than having to litigate, even though they know that their prospects of winning are higher and higher with each new suit uh, that buyer loses. And the years of appeals. Now, is reaching a settlement also complicated by the fact that this product is continuing to be sold? So as days go on, buyer may be adding new plaintiffs to this pool of plaintiffs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 definitely true, right? I mean, there are more potential plaintiffs with each passing month that the product is sold. I'm sure that buyer is banking on the proposition that maybe somehow or another, after all of these years, the product will nevertheless be, quote-unquote, proven uh, to be safe. But that's, again, that's, that would be quite a Hail Mary hope, it, it seems to me. And the juror whom you quoted before, I think, is just the, you know, the kind of the poster child for the attitude that people have now, which is that after all these years, the presumption is definitely to the effect that this is a dangerous product. And what that means is that the burden of proof is now on buyer to show that it's not unsafe. Uh, whereas, you know, way back when, the burden would have been on the plaintiffs to show that it is unsafe. But again, the fact that the presumption has shifted in this way, I think, makes it even more surprising that buyer is not looking into uh, settling. So um, this verdict is coming about two weeks after shareholders expressed their disapproval of the way Mm -hmm. the CEO has handled this Monsanto acquisition. Does that put pressure on them to put aside more money for litigation costs or to settle? I think it puts a great deal of pressure on them uh, actually to settle. Uh, and if anything, maybe to set aside money for possible shareholder suits that might ultimately be brought against the board and the officers of the firm, right? Because at this point, uh, it really is beginning to look reckless, um, you know, what, what the, the management of buyer is doing in continuing uh, to refuse to settle and continuing to sort of uh, hemorrhage money uh, in the form of damages that are awarded to various plaintiffs. At some point, the duty to the shareholders begins to be, um, you know, kind of come into question here, whether 
whether the, the whether the, the board uh, is actually uh, conforming to or acting in accordance with its duty to shareholders uh, begins to come into question. So if they're going to set aside money, it seems to me that they might want to set it aside, A, for an actual settlement, and B, maybe for shareholder suits down the pike. All right. Thanks so much, Bob. As always, that's Robert Hockett. He's a professor at Cornell Law School. Now, a note, analysts at Bloomberg Intelligence have raised their estimate for a settlement value for these lawsuits to as much as $10 billion. That's up from a peak of $2 billion. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.